0: Hello, and welcome to UX Like Us, a podcast for user experience designers, researchers, strategists,
1: and robot designers.
0: <laughs> I'm your user experience robot designer, Roma Burka.
1: And by robots designers, I mean, you know, robot, not robots that design, you know, not people, designers that design robots, but robots that design. Right, robot <laughs> designers. It's, it can be very confusing if you're not careful.
0: <laughs> right. We're not designing robots around here. Yeah.
1: Oh, that would be fun. I, I'd For design example. a robot. I could totally do that.
0: Well, let's be sure to, to dig into that, because that sounds like a fascinating topic. <laughs> well, Larry, I'm sure you're aware of this. Uh, product designer Jordan Singer recently stunned the design world with a tweet in which he demonstrates a Figma plugin he's working on. He types in narrative prose, such as an app that has a navigation bar with a camera icon, and the plugin then renders a a basic but serviceable view of the design in Figma in just a couple of seconds. Singer calls the plugin Designer.
1: Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying he he, he just types in, like... Make something that looks like this, and then it makes something that looks like that.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. So it'll be linked in the show notes, uh, linked to the tweet. But basically, he's got a GIF uh, screen recording of him typing in uh, a text representation of what he wants into this Figma plugin. And then the Figma plugin reaches out to GPT 3 and oh. Uh, returns some stuff, and the plugin massages it a little bit more, but it renders it as a screen as you would expect a designer to produce um, in Figma.
1: So it it reaches out to GPT three. What is that? Is that uh, a new robot in the next Star Wars series? (laughs) is that the tall shiny robot or is that the short round one i don't know it's the
0: new sentimental one (laughs) no gpt3 it's the generative pre-trained transformer
1: version three transformer so it is a robot i got you okay yeah
0: (laughs) very good (laughs) very very good
1: so tell me about this gpt3 what 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 is this where does this come from
0: Uh, well it's a it's a transformer i don't know if you would call it an ai model i I think that's the right nomenclature
1: so just like a like machine learning model right like some sort of machine mm -hmm, learning mm -hmm. thing where you just feed it data and the more data you feed it the smarter it gets and then it does things like turn what you say into figma designs
0: well so that's one specific application of gpt3 so open ai is the um the AI consortium, um, previously associated with Elon Musk. I think they're at great pains to say these days, no longer associated with, with Elon Musk, but, uh, he, he's been involved a lot of really, you know, high profile names are involved with open AI. Um, but they're, a, 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 an AI research firm. Uh, they're based out of the Bay area and, uh, essentially they're developing lots of, uh, of AI models, um, with the goal of creating you know artificial intelligence that will help humanity um but interestingly they also have as kind of a core part of their approach um also trying to guard against uh abusive uh, ai or or bad you know implementations of ai
1: right because when you said that part about helping humanity the first thing i thought of was or not
0: Right. That that depends on what the AI decides to do. <laughs> hey Siri, I want you to help humanity.
1: <laughs> hey Siri, help me okay. You- I found this on the web for I want you to help and humanity. Check it out.
0: <laughs> ter- 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 terrible Zen habits. That's what she came up with. <laughs>
1: Uh, anyway so you so gpt it's associated with open ai it's some sort of now is it is it some sort of like you know general ai or is it still considered like narrow ai i know i know there's like two different types of general ai is like the thing you read about in you know the science fiction books that are just like the house and stuff that just you know are just are pretty much just acts like a human or human-like, and you really can't tell the difference. Whereas narrow AI is like a specific, um, a specific machine learning algorithm that does something very narrow scoped. So is this still considered a narrow scope AI, or is this starting to balloon into that general AI that people talk about?
0: Yeah, I would say GPT-3 would still qualify as as narrow AI or really even just a machine learning model, um, like many others. So um, there are proprietary machine learning models, there's open source machine learning models, but basically it's those are all cases where somebody has trained the machine on how to do a task. So you, you probably have seen demos where somebody feeds in a bunch of images and then, you know, maybe there's some, some human coaching that says, you know, Oh, these are the images that have a school bus in them. Google, I, I swear I'm a human, Uh, (laughs) but the, the human training makes uh, the machine better at learning how to do it on its own. Um, So that's machine learning. That's a very specific uh, application of artificial intelligence it's certainly not generalizable however um, what's really remarkable about GPT3 is that I I, I think there was already some notion um, in you know the the field of AI that maybe just adding more data to the data set to train the thing wasn't really going to have um, you know much uh, much better results that essentially you already had like all of Wikipedia and you know the entire Internet Archive, and you know you train up a model on it, and that's pretty much you know going to be good enough. But uh, it, with GPT-3, they applied way more data, um, and it has uh, in the model 175 billion different parameters that are tunable for whatever specific result you're trying to get to.
1: Right. So, so tell me about the, the specific results. So you talked about a Figma plugin, but what's, it, what, what's GPT-3 really doing there?
0: So GPT-3 is, uh, and, and this is all a little bit behind the scenes, right? So Jordan Singer has not uh, released this plugin yet. And he even admitted on Twitter that the plugin that he built in, um, in Figma is doing a lot more work than he would like at this point. So essentially, um, GPT-3 is handling the conversion of um, narrative verbal instruction to the plugin and um, converting that into a format that the Figma plugin can then um, render code based upon. So at this point, hard to say exactly where one begins and the other ends. but if you watch the, the little demo video um, in his tweet, it's, it's striking enough to have a lot of designers reacting uh, <laughs> quite, quite powerfully uh, you know both with, with excitement but also uh, with a bit of existential dread.
1: Right. So basically it's, it's taking a like some plain language instructions and producing some sort of language, output right so i've seen some Mm -hmm, other uh examples of people using gpt3 to um say write a story that's you know six chapters long and it's about boy meets girl in yugoslavia in set in the 1950s right and Mm it will write uh a somewhat convincing story using those parameters Um, Uh which that just sounds nutty to me. Um, But I've also seen examples where somebody says, Hey, and this is, verbatim but you know, somewhere on the lines of make a web page that is you know 10 pictures of puppies and each one has a like button and you can look at a details pane talking about the breed and the description of the personality and how old it is and blah blah blah, blah. and then it will actually write a react app that uh-huh. spits that web page out and now you have a, a full react app that did the thing that you just described
0: Yeah, kind of a a similar demo that I saw uh, was built using GPT-3 with uh, Tailwind CSS, or not CSS, built with Tailwind, um, which is a a React framework that's available, Um, but very similar results, right? You could just feed it this kind of loose, freeform um, text, (laughs) prose, and it could make sense of it and then render something to the screen. Pretty shocking
1: all these examples just seem near, I mean, almost incredible. Right. Is like, mm-hmm. how can, how can this even be possible? How could like a, a, an algorithm just write a story that's convincing. Now I know there's like, there's a lot of news and especially like financial news that gets just in, and, and even sports that just gets spit out by a, um, it's just an algorithm that actually writes. You feed it the facts, and then it writes the stories, and and they don't have to pay a writer anymore. Uh, I know that's been that's <laughs> been going on for for a while now, and, and you can usually spot them because it's pretty obvious. It's like, oh, this is you know very generic, and um um like there's a couple of companies that I have like like a, a Google. Um, you know, a Google news search that if like something comes up in the Uh news, it'll, it'll spit it out. And a lot of times you'll get these financial ones that are just like, okay, yeah, these are just obviously just been spit out by some sort of AI bot, you know, auto writing it, but the fidelity and by which this GPT three thing is just seems to be, you know, it's like leaps and bounds, Different and and like orders of magnitude better than what's come before. Like, it can write a whole story or it can like create a React app. So, because it does like its language processing and computer code is language, it can write computer code for you, obviously, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh allegedly. And you could just say, hey, make an application that um, has a database that stores, you know, um, my music library. (laughs) <laughs> and it would like oh i know music it has titles and and it has formats and and lengths and artists and blah blah genres and all this stuff it will just know that just based upon all this input that it's gotten for it's that's just it seems nutty to me
0: it does um and you know i i certainly was amongst the people who upon watching the the demo on twitter was you know slightly aghast like oh wow the AI is coming for my job. Um, But then, you know, actually, I, I, I had a kind of a fond memory that kind of cooled my jets on that a bit, which was, I remember my first web design job, and within the first few days, literally had somebody describe it to me as, you know, hey, look, I'm trying to put a button on this page, and I can put a button on there, but... I can't put it on the right side of the screen and I can't make it blue and I can't give it a shadow. Like, I don't know how to do all that stuff. So that's what I want you to do for me. And so I was, you know, for the first time I was, you know, gainfully employed as a civilian, that was the value I added, right? It was like somebody had an idea for what they wanted on a screen and I just spit it out. Uh, That strikes me as the kind, you know, the level of work that, this level of AI is totally capable of doing.
1: Yeah. So you're, what you're saying is this, you know, all those production designers that are out there should be um, thinking about their futures and where they want their career to go.
0: Really it strikes me as more the, the junior level, the, the slightly, you know, less skilled, if you will Um, probably not even fair to say less skilled, but less experienced um, are going to have a hard time, I think um, proving value over and above what you can get here, you know, in the next call it 18 months, you know, two years.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's analogous to, you know, robotics in general in the manufacturing, you know, industry, you know, back okay. in the day we had, you had to have people on Henry Ford's auto, you know, the assembly line, putting cars together and now we have robots to do it it's almost like now that doesn't mean there's not people involved in making cars anymore there's still lots and lots of people involved in making cars but there's just certain things that's like well it just makes more sense to have robots do and Mm -hmm. it sounds to me like we are getting to the point where there are certain parts of design that Will indeed be taken over by uh, such um, artificial intelligence things, such as GTP three. Well,
0: that's the thing. When I was thinking about you know that that first uh, web design job and how I was getting paid to do basically what this you know this uh, designer plugin is doing here, I also realized that I very quickly tried to advance to the point where a I wasn't just taking orders from somebody else on you know i need a button and i need it here and (laughs) you know and so on um but that i was actually trying to add value that you know if i was reading uh, a specification from an analyst or from a developer or whomever that in the process of creating the design deliverables that I was adding value and and saying okay well and in, in, instead of these controls we're going to use these controls you know instead of a, a drop down we'll use a radio button or whatever it was in order to increase usability, um and and make the experience you know better more satisfying more enjoyable what have you.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that I don't see something like GPT three and it's um language processing um abilities can replace right you know working in design as we do we know how complex the uh human condition is and the sociological (laughs) interactions between people and the work and the work they do and the work that people that they work with and the organizations that they're in and how incredibly complex those systems are and 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 designing to that context is very very difficult and it's you know it's it, and it's a constant process it's not something that it's just one and done it's like it's a continuous thing that you have to do to a, 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 you know address and it's a system that like has inputs and outputs like you start you design things and that changes how people work, and that's how change changes how people do their jobs and then you have to change you know the, the your designs to you know adjust to that and there's like sort of this virtuous cycle that happens um Mm -hmm. um and that's where you know i think designers today you know add the most value it's not that production um you know making the button green and put it on the right hand side of the screen um you know that's it's it's almost like i i feel like there's 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 big parts of of you know what product design does that we could sort of automate with this. And some of the things I'm thinking of are like design systems, right? Like every single organization is putting together their own design system. And it's like, (laughs) it is, it's seemingly a lot of work that could be done by, I I feel like that, that, that's a a good job for robots. (laughs) It'd be an know. amazing
0: I, job for an AI. Here's here's my style sheets. Uh, here's my uh, React uh, components that I want it to be hooked up to. Um, go ahead. <laughs>
1: yep. You're like here's here's a mood board of what we're trying of the, of the <laughs> thing that we're trying the feeling we're trying to get. Here are the, here's here's a list of keywords of, of of feelings and emotions we want to get out of the people using these products. And then, man, I tell you what, I I, I think AI is would be perfect for something like that.
0: Yeah, well said. And honestly, there is a ton of uh, design work that I'd say falls in into the realm of optimization, right? So there's the, the infamous story of however many, what was it, 64 shades of blue that, you know, Google was testing for a particular interface element. Um, you know, that that's the kind of thing that humans really don't even need to be involved in. Like if you could hook up AI to your front end code and test those little nuanced um, you know tweaks that presently you know I, I know a lot of designers who are working on that stuff and I really I don't mean to be dismissive of that work because optimization is really important you know just because you find you know um, uh, uh, product market fit <laughs> you know you, you still have to optimize the hell out of that business model to really get where you're going so I don't I don't mean to you know speak ill of it, but I do think it's the kind of thing where um, you know a designer could set parameters or directions and then allow the AI to do all the heavy lifting to to narrow in. Oh, uh, should we use a, a a you know a wide field of view photo for this you know cover image or a close up <laughs> or an extreme close up? Like AI could test all that stuff out for you and optimize without ever having to put hands on it.
1: Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm not so much worried about designers when it comes to, to the general pre-trained transformer three algorithms. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, there, there, there's some design tasks that could definitely be automated, but there are so many things that we do in the design world that I just, the, either is impossible or we're like very far away from being able to do using, you know, uh, artificial intelligence. The people that I worry about are the developers. Mm, People writing the code, right? Because, you know, this is a, this is a, a language interpreter, right? It takes, you know, it can analyze all the, you know, a, a great majority of the code that's ever been written. And then, and if it's, can be trained in a certain way, then you could just say, Hey, uh, set me up an AWS instance where I can do X transaction and store this type of data and have this business. I mean, I, oh, I could, I could even see it just like, for, you know, from an entrepreneur, it's like set me up a website where I could sell these widgets. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I need to have a, one they, they're about this big and I need to be able to ship them and, um, and it just sets up a, an entire business for you. All the e-commerce, all of the, like the financials, all of your, 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 your website presence and your, your bank accounts. And I mean, there's, there's a lot that this could do where you could just like have an idea and you could just have the robot render this idea for you and get you know, 80% of it right. So you, you've heard of jet jam bands, right? You've like sure. you know, like like Fish, you know, The Grateful Dead's been called a jet jam band. Even people say Dave Matthews is a jam band. Um uh but there is and you know, it and this is something that's very popular. It you know happens a lot in jazz. is like there's a lot of improv improvisation that happens, right? Um and that improv improvisation happens not in a vacuum, it's people playing off of each other and coming up with something that n- never happened in the past so I I, I have some examples of this and we, maybe we can link to them in the show notes um uh where I was in this band it was back in the 90s late 90s and we would like set up and we'd have you know, set up in a studio and we would record um, and we would hit record during rehearsals and we would play songs that have never been like, there's a couple of times where we played some songs that we've only ever played once. And it was when we had the record, the, the you know, the, the, the record button on while we were in rehearsal and we would came up with entire songs with like first chorus, you know, structures and everything. And it was all completely made up on the spot with no planning. Right. So, I can imagine, can I imagine a future where you have, you know, maybe four separate GPTs mm-hmm. interacting with each other in real time, creating something new musically, or maybe it is a collaboration of, you know writers because you know like in, or making movies where it's like you' got one AI that's you know working on the cinematography, the other one's writing the script, the other one's working on, you know sets. I mean just the 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 places that this thing can go where you take all these narrow AIs and put them all together and allow them to interact with each other, does that have the does does that have, you know, the potential to actually start creating things as a collaboration? I think I just blew your mind. I'm looking at your head <laughs> your, your head just went Whoa.
0: I didn't know we were gonna get that deep, Larry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, should we be scared? Should we, <laughs> we, we, as we as human us. beings, should we be scared, <laughs> Roman? That's the real question. Here. Are we? Are we going to be? Are we? Obs- are we going to be obsolete? Are we? We're, we're headed for obsolescence, even before the sun swells up and begins to envelop the Earth in its fiery heat.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm disappointed because I lost track of the, the, the specific article that I was reading in, in, in preparation for this. But uh, one of the things I was reading about GPT-3 was referencing how when GPT-2 came out in 2019, there was an outcry that it's too good. It's going to allow, um, you know, these, these deep fakes. It's going to you know be able to generate texts in the style that the original speaker already did it. And ultimately it's going to be the end of the, the world. And the article said, you know, but obviously that didn't happen. And I was like, wait, are we sure that didn't happen? <laughs> Somewhere towards the end of 2019. And now here we are in 2020. Like, Are, are we sure we didn't uh, unplug the matrix or something? <laughs> In in preparing for for this episode, I was looking around. I came across a great article by um, Lucy Borden. Uh, Again, it'll be linked in the show notes, but um, it was on on their site. Um, It's nice, that. And uh, the whole article is well worth a read. It's called, Is the Creative Industry Equipped to Work with Emerging Technologies? And so they basically uh, ran a survey with uh, 60 of Europe's leading creative studios, agencies, and brands. And it says, um, 54% believe that a workable knowledge of emerging technologies would be the most helpful thing for attracting new clients. However, and possibly alarmingly, nearly half, 47% of our respondents admitted to not feeling equipped to work with any emerging technologies
1: whatsoever. That's bad. I mean, just like in any industry, and as any industry has evolved, where our, our everybody's skills has to evolve, and we have to look for new ways to make ourselves, um, you know, marketable and useful. Um, I think design has been doing a pretty good job of that over the years, because um, we don't just you know make buttons prettier any longer. We don't just make things you know look nicer anymore. We're actually deeply involved in in, you know, in, you know, strategy and, and business strategy and, and business models and, and, and how that affects, you know, the, how how those can emerge out of, you know, observing users and user needs and things like that. Um, I think as as long as we continue to evolve and we continue to like really wrangle humans, right? Because I don't see these AI, you know, technologies being able to wrangle humans anytime soon. And I feel like as designers, most of my job is wrangling humans right especially as the farther <laughs> you go up the ladder it's all wrangling humans at that point and uh-huh. it's like how do you wrangle humans in a way that gets value into customers hands right, <laughs> and, right. um because like you know when i started designing it's like well we want to i want to make the best products possible what does that mean it's like well we just make these products and we design them and you know they magically get into customer's hands. And then I realized that it's all organizational and, and operations and all that stuff. And that's all very human and and wrangling humans. And so um, until AI gets to the point where it could start wrangling humans and what GPT-3 is doing is not that. Um, right. I think, I, th- I think, um, you know, Evolving our, our, our design skills into that human wrangling um, realm, which is it's where it's naturally gone, is going to do a lot for us.
0: The manner in which the deliverables get produced is a lot less important, um, whether I'm having to do that by hand or whether an AI can do that for me. Um, but that core skill of actually coming up with, you know, uh, understanding the problem space and then you know, coming up with ideas to address it, I think that'll still be essentially the discipline of of design. Um, now, I do have kind of a, a pet theory. I, I think that over time, mm-hmm. there's going to be less, if not no, um, designers working as a discrete role. I think at some point... Everybody just does design as part of what they do. So if you're, you know, a business analyst, that there would also be design activity involved in that. If you're, you know, an accountant, there's (laughs) accounting design. There's essentially, there's design, um, what we presently refer to a lot as design thinking. I think that there's um, design activities that are going to be taught and uh, that'll be brought into every discipline such that, you don't necessarily have to, you know, get up to this line and then stop and say, okay, hand that over to the designers. They'll, they'll take care of that. <laughs> you know, I, I think that the design will be a lot more core to what everybody does. Um, and so I think there's a lot of opportunity there um, for the long term. But as far as, you know, just cranking out deliverables, um, you know, dribble-worthy screens, that's the kind of stuff that i do think ai will eat your lunch if you don't stay well ahead of that trend.
1: So you're saying that the logical conclusion to ai is that there are only designers. <laughs> that's designers right. Designers directing the ai to do the things that needs to be done to render the intent that they are looking to render.
0: Well said. If, if design is the rendering of intent, and I will accept that definition, um, <laughs> if design is the, the rendering of intent, then you no longer have to be a designer in order to, to do that. And I guess what, what's kind of informing that mindset is watching my kid play um, Super Mario Maker on the Switch.
1: Oh, yeah. Have you seen this one? I have not seen. I've heard about it, but I've not seen it
0: you basically have the opportunity to paint out your own Mario maps. And so, you know, if you want to have a question block where Mario hits it and, you know, Mushroom comes out, you build all that stuff yourself. Um, But basically with a really easy, you know, like um, map painting interface. And I've seen all kinds of these, you know, generative tools for whether it's Super Mario Maker um, or other um, game design platforms where you're literally like using a brush and like just painting out mountains that characters are going to be running over later. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, used to the design job was actually putting together those little fine details, you know, making that mountain, you know, look really super realistic. Now the computer can handle that part. It's up to the designer to say, okay, this is, you know, where the, uh, the valley should pass through the mountains so that the characters can progress. Or if you're doing a Mario map, you know, is this, is, this is where we should have the power-ups in order to, you know, give you that moment of payoff at, at just the right time to make it exciting and fun.
1: Wait, but we could, uh, I just had a brainstorm. We could just like have the robots do the podcast for us and we don't even have to show up.
0: <laughs> it would probably be a lot better too. It probably <laughs> <would> be.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is going to be a great experiment. <laughs> Feed GPT-3 all the transcripts from all of our podcasts and then let them generate the next episode and use descript to render our fake voices. Uh and take ourselves completely <laughs> out of the flow.
1: <laughs> yep. And uh, the only thing that'll be left is dad jokes and and uh ooh, uh bleh, uh and uh, uh. <laughs>
0: Well, Larry, I think we had a, a good conversation, so I think we could skip uh, stuff. Designers love, um,
1: but I, just... I really want to hear about the seating square, seating and st- seed and seedling spacer tool. It
0: sounds okay, amazing. Okay, fine. <laughs>
1: stuff designers
0: love. I love the seating square, seed and
1: seedling spacer tool. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say that. I'm done. That's all. That's all I needed. It's been, it's been good catching up. It's been a while since we've uh, since we've done this and um glad we've uh, with all the all the stuff that's going on in the world. I mean, you know, nothing big. Or anything it's just, you know, another year.
0: Yeah, I hadn't heard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is it's very good to catch up. It's good to get back in the booth, uh, especially with the, the host emeritus, Larry King.
1: Well, thank you very much, host emeritus.
0: <laughs> I feel so
1: scholarly very good
0: (laughs) Larry it's always good having you it's good to catch up and we'll catch you next time alright sounds good alright see ya see
1: ya